Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What is going on, everybody, and welcome into a special, special edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. We're in the dog days of summer, and we are getting ready for college football season. And for the occasion, we have an extremely special guest. Phil Steele is joining Unreasonable Odds. If you don't have it, I'm holding it up right now. This is the college football magazine that you need to get all the information that you need um phil thanks for coming on with us man we're pumped to have you hey a real pleasure and i I gotta tell you i'm very pumped up for this upcoming football season especially where we were last year at this time wondering if we're playing football at least we know we're playing football we'll have full crowds so i'm really pumped up about the season yeah and i think from a sports betting perspective you know 2019 i i had a pretty good year betting college football futures um you know game to game is great and i love to bet a game but i think the excitement of kind of digging into the futures market and getting good value and finding more more edges there's just there's more of that on the season and we couldn't really do that last year because who knows who's going to play how many games who's playing what and and now that feeling is is kind of back so i think that gives us a lot more excitement kind of going into the season to have so much more um to talk about and and just kind of go conference by conference by conference here yeah definitely and also last year as you know there was very little home field edge and this year i actually feel that we're going to have the best home field edges so uh factor that into your handicapping process that fans have been were deprived of going to the stadiums last year they're not only going to return they're going to return and be very loud very excited to be there they now appreciate what it's like to go to a home game. So I think even the home and field edges that we have in the magazine, which really I spend a lot of time researching that. Some are as low as two, some are as high as, as, high as five and a half. Uh, I would heighten those a little bit this year because I really think the fans are going to be uh, even louder. And, and I also think attendance is going to be way up even over the 2019 season. Yeah, it's it's a big season for fans um, in all sports, and that includes college football. So let's dive into a conference where, uh, with a lot of home field advantages, we're going to start with the the SEC. We're going to start with the reigning champs, Alabama. Um, I'll preface it with this: I'm an Alabama guy. I like betting Alabama futures. They usually cash. I like betting Alabama first halves. They get out to to you know blistering starts to these games. But with a team like Alabama this year coming off a championship and kind of, you know, in a rebuilding phase, I guess, as much as a team like Alabama can, as good as we expect them to be, 
it's tough to find futures on them uh, or value on them in the futures market. Their total, uh, their, their favorites to win it again, their win total is set at 11 and a half. So if you're going to win it, you need them to have a perfect season. They're minus 170 to win the SEC title game, minus 425 to win the SEC West division. Um, you know, since Alabama is kind of difficult to back in the futures market, no margin for error, literally. Um, are there any look-ahead spots you have circled for them that you like this season? Um, or do any of those futures jump out to you? Uh, I would have to say that, uh, first of all, Alabama will be favored in all 12 games. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not wild about any of those futures uh, for the reason of October the 9th. I think October the 9th looms as a potentially dangerous game. If you watched Alabama take on Texas A&M last year, I know Alabama won the game by 28, but if you're Go and watch the first half closely. It was really four or five key plays here and there. I thought A&M uh, played toe-to-toe with them. And talking to Coach Jimbo Fisher, going over the team with them this year, my biggest concern coming in for A&M was the offensive line uh, replacing four starters. But Coach Fisher feels that they're more talented, have more NFL prospects, and could potentially be better than the offensive line that was one of the finalists for the Joe Moore Award last year. So that gave me great confidence with the Aggies. Also, Haynes King, a quarterback, is a guy with 4-4 speed that can throw the ball everywhere. They had the best defense in the SEC last year. They've got nine starters back on the defensive side of the ball. And going back to that uh, home field edges, they have got uh, Kyle Field. And last year, they had 30% uh, percent capacity for that Florida game. And you would have thought it was a packed house. Can you imagine yeah. what it's going to be like with a packed house this year? So I think that's a very dangerous game for Alabama. The only real dangerous game on their entire schedule. So if you feel really confident they're going to beat Texas A&M on the road, I think you could play over 11 and a half. But I think that one that blooms and then that sort of affects everything else, winning the SEC West, winning the SEC overall. And winning the SEC overall, they not only have to get past A&M, they also have to get past Georgia in the SEC title game. And keep in mind, the last two times they played Georgia in the postseason, Georgia trailed those games by a grand total of about two minutes. Right. It came up short in both, but uh, Georgia knows they can play with Alabama as well. So I'm I'm really not interested in any of those futures because how do you bet against Alabama, you know, with the unders when they've got the track record that they do? But uh, I think that there are some question marks. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think it's just they're they're a beatable team. They're still probably the best team in the SEC, but they're a beatable team. And the numbers kind of have them a little inflated after the the undefeated championship year. So you know, We're going to touch on. One, go ahead. One other thing. One other thing about Alabama, real quick. It seems like uh, when I'm looking at the odds and and listening and reading things about Alabama and and doing the radio shows, it seems like the, uh, people think Alabama wins a national championship every year. They didn't win it in 2019. They didn't even win it in 2018 for crying out loud. So it was their first national title in three years. They do not win the national championship every year. Right. Um, okay, before we move to the rest of uh, the SEC, I mentioned Alabama first halves. They're a team that I think everyone can kind of agree, you know, I, the full game points are always just so much with Alabama when they're playing just uh, y- your average Joe opponent. And they get backdoored all the time. But the first halves are when they kind of come out and, and take care of business. Is that a trend in general that you kind of think, you know, maybe take the, the A&M game out of it and take a potential SEC championship game against Georgia out of it? Is that an angle you think they can kind of continue this season? Is it something that, you know, if we're looking at not their 18-point favorites against Miami in, in week one, 
if it's something nine, nine and a half in that game, is that a first half you expect them to come out strong to, to start the year? Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago when I was uh, doing some ESPN shows with Doug Kazarian. He just played Alabama first half all year, and I think Doug he won, came what, on 11 this podcast. And, Doug came yeah. on this podcast and mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, it went like eleven and one picking Alabama first half. So it's it's a pretty good wager. Now I don't know if their offense is going to get off to that great of a start this year. I mean, they've got new offensive line. They lose their top running back, lose two first round draft pick receivers brand new quarterback and Miami's got a pretty good defense but yeah it seems like Alabama first half is pretty much the way to go with them all right so we'll see if that's a a trend that we can kind of get into this season um but let's keep talking let's move to the the SEC East here for a second before we go back to the West and and talk Georgia Georgia's an equal favorite minus 425 to win their division the same as that same price as Alabama and they seem to kind of have less competition on, on their side of the SEC. Um, does UGA actually have just as good a shot to make the SEC championship game as, as anyone in this conference? And, and how do you feel, like, what odds would you give Alabama, I guess, to, to win that game in Atlanta if they're there over a team like, I know you're super high on A&M? Yeah, I think when I look at Georgia this year, they're pretty clear-cut to me that they're going to win the East for two reasons. Yep. Uh, the first one would be they're the more veteran team between them and Florida, and I really consider those two the only really two contestants in this battle. Uh, they've got 13 returning starters. JT Daniels comes back after starting the last four games last year. They averaged 38 points per game with him at quarterback. they got my number two rated running back, Yohor, number seven rated offensive line, and Georgia has my number three defense overall. Now, remember, Florida last year gave up 428 yards per game, 31 points per game. I think they'll be improved on defense, but they've got a ways to go to catch Georgia defensively. And offensively, I think Georgia has the edge as well this year. You look at uh, Florida this year, they only have five returning starters on offense and five on defense. So just looking at the talent, you give the edge of Georgia. But the schedule's ridiculously slanted in Georgia's favor. This is one of those years, since they play each other in Jacksonville, that uh, Georgia only has three SEC road games this year. And they're all against first-year head coaches. Auburn, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. They'll be favored easily in all those games. Florida, meanwhile, only has three SEC home games in the swamp. That means five of them are away from home. And then the final factor, look at the crossover games. Georgia avoids Alabama, Texas A&M, and LSU. Florida not only draws Alabama, they have to play LSU on the road. And I think LSU will be a vastly improved team and more like the 2019 version than the 2020 version. So talent, schedule, all line up in Georgia's favor. I, I would make them a prohibitive favorite to win the East this year. I'm with you there. And let's talk about that slanted schedule because I think the 10 and a half win total on Georgia is a super interesting number, but it, it's, this is a team that easily could start 0-1 and is, you know, an underdog in their first game. So I'm really intrigued. Like first two-part question, I guess here, I that game is in North Carolina. It's in the building that Clemson's won four ACC championship games in a row. So it's a neutral field game, but it's a Clemson home game to a degree. I am very tempted to back Georgia just straight up on the money line in that game. Number one, how do you feel about that? Number two, how do you feel about that 10 and a half win total for the Bulldogs? Because number one, if you win that game against Clemson, you're feeling great after one game about cashing a win total. Number two, if you lose it, like you said, the schedule lines up to rip off 11 in a row to end the season. 
Yeah, I have Georgia favored in 11 of the 12 games, and I also like Georgia plus the – I would probably lean more to Georgia plus the points in the opening game okay. uh, for the plus fact four. that it's over a field goal. I really feel that the final score of that game, somebody wins by a field goal, whether it's Clemson, whether it's Georgia. And right now, the line's what, four? Four on DraftKings Sportsbook, yep. Yeah, I would I would take Georgia plus the four because I think they do have a great shot at winning the game outright. But worst case scenario, if Clemson beats them by a field goal, you still get the cash. And yes, I like over ten and a half because if they upset Clemson, you pretty much can go walk over there and collect your money right then. They'll be favored in the last eleven games, and I really don't see them slipping up uh, with the road slate of being Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Auburn, first year head coach, and Vanderbilt. So the rest of the games, you got to go between the hedges and beat them. And I've got them at least uh, a touchdown favorite in all their games, with the exception of at Auburn, where I've got them about a four-point favorite. Wow. All right. So there you go. Some some incentive for some Georgia futures. Um, we'll go back to the SEC West here. Texas A&M, we already kind of talked about them. Super high on them. They were your number one surprise team last year and just missed out on the college football playoff. Um I, I don't have anything bet on, on Texas A&M so far, but nine and a half wins. I assume you like, like the over there. I, do you think at long odds they're worth kind of taking to take down Alabama in, in the division? Let me know, you know, where's your head at on Texas A&M? Are they just an over nine and a half or are they a serious, serious threat in that division and in the conference? What's the odds for the division? Um, that's a great question. Let me, let me pull up the updated odds. Um, All right. I'll, I'll talk about A&M about while you're looking up the odds. Yeah. yeah. I, I like them over nine and a half. Yes. Uh, I think when you look at the Aggies, as I mentioned, when I talked to coach Fisher, the offensive line, probably better than last year, Haynes King will do fine. They got my number one set of running backs in the country. Last year, the receiving core is extremely young. They lost a whole bunch of players prior to the year. This year, it's a veteran group and defensively, they had the best defense in the SEC last year, and they got nine starters back. I've got them favored in uh, uh, 10 of their 12 games. I have one game rated a toss-up, the LSU game, because it's in Death Valley. I rate that game pick them, and I have them a, a slight underdog to Alabama. And I know right now they're an 11.5-point underdog to Bama. I would take A&M plus the 11.5 right now because I think that number is going to go down by game time, probably closer to 7. And I definitely like A&M to be uh, over the uh, nine and a half win total. What's the what's the odds on the division? Yeah, so uh, you're probably going to like this: Texas A&M plus six hundred to win the SEC West. Yeah, so six to one odds on that. I would take it uh, because uh, and that would offset playing them on the money line against Alabama because you're already getting six to one odds to win the division, and right. I think they have a legitimate chance this year. All right. Fair, fair enough. And yeah, I'm with you. Like, you know, I told you I'm a Bama guy, but if you're getting anything over 10, if you're getting 10 in the hook and you said it's 11 in the hook for A&M at home in that game, that's, that's tough to pass up. That's a lot of Alabama love right there. Yeah, Um, absolutely. All right. So LSU, a team you've mentioned a couple of times, a team that's one of your surprise teams this year that uh, got real bad after the, the amazing burrow year, but is in a really good bounce back spot considering all the, all the starters they have returning um, going from five returning to 18, I think. So I feel like this is a team their their win total set at eight flat. I think we can pencil in some losses to, you know, Alabama. You said the A&M game, you made it even a pick them, which I, I was going to just for argument's sake, give that one to A&M. I think there's still a pretty solid path to the nine wins here to cash that over. 
and maybe at worst you push on eight. How do you feel about that on LSU? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got LSU favored in uh, nine of their games this year, right. uh, nine of the twelve games, and uh, I have a toss up against A uh, and M, and I have a toss up against uh, Mississippi. So the only game I have a true underdog in this year is Alabama. And right. uh, that's that's one they're probably not going to win. And for the reason LSU collapsed last year, I mean, when you lose 15 players to the NFL, then have key players opt out just prior to the season and end up with just two returning starters on offense and three on defense, you knew they were going to take a step back. Uh, I don't think anybody expected them to be three and five and need a shoe toss against Florida and a comeback against Ole Miss just to get to five and five. But this year's LSU should be more resemble the 2019 version with the 18 returning starters you mentioned. I think they've got two capable quarterback and Miles Brennan and Max Johnson, no matter who wins the job, they'll be in good shape there. Uh, I look at their offensive line. I rate it number 16 in the country. Excuse me, defensive line number eight. Uh, so this is a team that's very talented. I do like over the uh, eight in that one, and I don't think you have to worry about a push at the end of the year. All right. I like the confidence there. Um... So one one more team in uh, the SEC that we'll hit on. You mentioned them, Ole Miss. Uh, their win total, don't have to worry about a push here, set at seven and a half. This is a team that is kind of a, a long shot for you that you think is worth some sprinkles in, in the futures market. Um, why don't you go ahead and I, you can mention those, but I, the seven and a half wins, I, I think this is an eight or nine win team uh, in the SEC getting, you know, really – elite quarterback play and a high-flying offense here? Well, they are going to have to win uh, one of the toss-up games I have to get to 7.5 because I have an underdog at Alabama, at Auburn. Auburn is off a bye, by the way, for that week, and Ole Miss is uh, coming off of LSU. So that's a a tough spot for Ole Miss there, especially going on the road. I have an underdog against A&M, so those are three games I have an underdog in. The two toss-up games, LSU. Uh, which I, they're at home for that one, but that's going to be a tough one. And then at Mississippi State, Mississippi State's going to be a much improved team this year. It's the Egg Bowl. It's a rivalry. Anything can happen in that. So uh, I think the seven and a half would be the way I would slant to the over, but uh, you, they have to win one of those two toss-up games that I mentioned. And as far as Ole Miss goes, uh, I don't think anybody in the SEC wants to play them after last year, being tied with Alabama 42-42 in the fourth quarter. They've got the offense. Remember, Matt Corral didn't even get to work with Lane Kiffin in the spring last year. Now he's got a full year under his belt, and the key is going to be defensively. Last year they switched defensive schemes, uh, and they they didn't really have time to work them in. This year they have nine returning starters on defense. They go from being bad on defense to maybe being average on defense, which is really going to help them out. Okay, so you put it this way. You think LSU has a better chance of winning nine games than you do Mississippi winning eight. Yeah, the key would be that LSU Mississippi game, I think. But yes, I, I would go with uh, I like I like LSU at the nine games definitely. Okay, all right, I like that. Um, I lied to you. I'm mentioning one other SEC team that we are down on, and is the team that has in your magazine the toughest schedule in college football. If you look around the country right now, the Arkansas Razorbacks win total is set at five and a half at, I think, pretty much every sports book except for the DraftKings Sportsbook, which still has them at six. I don't think this is going to come down to a push, but it is nice to kind of have that, uh, have that in your back pocket. The schedule, if you go through it, is just 
brutal. I, I don't know how this team goes better than than five and seven. So my biggest win total play so far in college football is Arkansas under six wins. Um, how do you feel about that one? Well, I'll tell you, I looked at Arkansas last year, and they had a first-year head coach in Sam Pittman. They uh, they only had 14 returning starters coming back. They had a schedule that I looked at, and I remember doing an Arkansas radio show and, and running through the schedule just prior to the season when it was announced they had 10 SEC games, and I made the statement, I don't think they're going to be favored in a single game this year. So, I mean, if, if Arkansas wins two games, it's a good year. And as it was, they were an underdog in all 10 games last year. But yeah. – they won three of them, which surprised me. And even the Georgia game, remember, they led that thing at the half against Georgia. And, and middle of the third quarter, that was a game. You go back and you look at the uh, the game against Auburn. Auburn had the the backward pass, which was ruled a uh, intentional grounding or something like that. It should have been Arkansas's ball, and they should have beaten Auburn in that game. The referee call gave Auburn the, the uh, win there. Later in the season, they played LSU. Their defensive line was depleted. I, I loved LSU in that game. LSU was laying about one and a half on the on the road, uh, and uh, LSU Arkansas had like two defensive linemen playing the game, and LSU ran the ball down their throat all game, but they only beat them by three points. It was a close yeah. game at the end, and then the Missouri game last year was one where Arkansas scores a touchdown with what forty seconds to go and the two point conversion to take the lead, gave up a field goal and lost. So they could have been a six win team last year, which just surprised the heck out of me. Sam Pittman did a heck of a job. Now can he recapture that in a bottle? We'll see. But I think they'll be favored against Rice, uh favored against Georgia Southern. I believe they'll be a favorite against Mississippi State at home, and probably the Missouri game is a little tricky because Missouri brings a good fan base to Little Rock. Usually yep. plays pretty well there, but I've got Arkansas uh, probably favored in that. I've got a toss-up game against Auburn, got them favored against Arkansas Pine Bluff. But uh, you know, it's, it'll be interesting. Toss I would probably lean Auburn. towards toss-up against Auburn, huh? That's yeah, I got that as a toss-up at home because okay. they are. Uh, Arkansas showed me last year they could play with everybody, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the schedule goes with them. All right, interesting. Um, all right, let's shift over to the Big Ten. Obviously, we got to start with Ohio State, um, another team like you know, set at eleven wins. There's just not really much you can you can do there. You either need them to be perfect, and if they drop one, you you push. So it's just not all that enticing of a. Uh, of a win total bet, but I know you're very high on their path to the college football playoff, at least. Um, give me, give me your thoughts, I guess, or any, any edges you see with, with Ohio state this season. Well, I'll tell you 11 is a lot more attractive number than 11 and a half, Correct. because like you said, if they slip up once it's a push, I can handle that because I have a double digit favorite in every single game this year. Wow. So they, they do come into the season with one big question mark. It's a quarterback. This is the first time since 1952 that they have zero career pass attempts at quarterback. That's It seems scary, but, I mean, whoever the quarterback is, heck, I mean, they've thrown to Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jeremy Ruckert. They've got the best receiving core in college football. Uh, they've got my number two rated offensive line, number four rated defensive line, and these aren't scrubby walk-ons they're throwing in a quarterback. C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, Jack Miller, all among the top quarterbacks coming out of high school. In fact, I think at the end of the year, C.J. Stroud's a Heisman finalist, so uh, quite possibly. I like the over with Ohio State in this case because they're a double-digit favorite in every game. If they slip up once, it would surprise me, but that worst-case scenario would be a push. All right, so uh, let's 
put it th- let me phrase it to you this way then you got ohio you can you can take ohio state over 11 wins at uh at minus 110 and hopefully either win that or push or you can lay minus 200 on them to make the college football playoff are you confident enough that they get in there to the college football playoff to just lay the minus 200 um i'd be more comfortable with the uh the over 11 in this over case 11? Okay. Uh, because wisconsin could be a threat in the big 10 title game they played ohio state tough both 17 and 19 in the big 10 title game wisconsin is a is going to be a surprise team this year yep so that's where we're going next wisconsin one of your one of your surprise teams their win total is set at nine and a half um something that i really like i, I bet wisconsin just to to we think they're going to see ohio state in that title game I bet Wisconsin at plus 115 to win the West division. They're currently on DraftKings Sportsbook at minus 110. I still like that price. The biggest threat is Iowa plus 180. And below that, it's only Minnesota plus 950 is the next team on the board. You like Wisconsin to win the uh, win the Big Ten West. And how do you feel about them getting to double-digit wins? Yeah, I'd feel more confident with Wisconsin over just in the fact that if they do slip up this year, it's probably going to be that Iowa game. Iowa is playing among the best football in college football at the end of the year last year. Uh, Coach Ferentz doing a tremendous job with Iowa. Uh, that would be the only potential slip up, and the odds would be better just playing over the total. When I look at Wisconsin, uh, last year they only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. They didn't really have that feature back. Jalen Berger is what I call a VHT or very highly touted running back. Uh, he emerged late in the year. Well, this year they've got four VHTs. They add in a Ches Malusi from Clemson, a couple of freshman VHTs. So they've got a loaded backfield. They've got the big offensive line. Graham Mertz hit uh, in the opening game against Illinois. He had 20 of 21. Then he got COVID, missed a couple weeks of practice, and wasn't really the same after that. I think he'll be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. The defense is always solid. And look at their, their Big Ten road games this year. They're all against teams that had losing records last year. Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, and Minnesota. They're going to be favored in 11 games this year. And the only game they won't be favored in, uh, potentially, is Notre Dame in Chicago, which I have as a toss-up right now. So if the, the win total you said was nine? Nine and a half. Oh, nine and a half. Yeah, yeah. I do like them over. I, I think that if they do lose to Notre Dame, they may lose to a an Iowa or a Penn State, but I can't see them losing both of those because they're at home in Madison. And as mentioned, home field is going to mean something this year. So I like the teams that have great, great home schedules. All right. Well, that's the one, the one game that I wanted to kind of touch on that I had circled Wisconsin four and a half point favorite in that week one game against Penn state. Penn state's a team. I know you have as listed as a surprise team this year. It's a team that I haven't completely done my, my research on if, if we're being, uh, if we're being honest. So I guess give me your your thoughts on on Penn State as a as a threat there. Um, and what do you you know their win total by the way is set at eight and a half, so pretty reasonable right there. And then what do you make of that four and a half point spread in in the week one matchup? Yeah, I'm not looking to play on that uh, individual game. I, my line on the game, which I make, uh, I go through every game of the season and I make my own personal lines on them. I had four, so there's not a lot right of on. value in there. Uh, when I look at Penn State, they are my number one most improved team in the country this year. Uh, last year they uh, they went four and five, but they were actually plus 102 yards per game. If you go through a nine game schedule and you're plus 102 yards per game, you're basically a seven and two team, uh, maybe even eight and one. Uh, so they were much better than their final record would indicate. If Sean Clifford returns to form like he did as a, a two years ago, 
then I think they're in great shape. Last year, they lost their top three running backs just prior to the season or by week one. This year, they're four deep at running back. Uh, one of those vastly improved teams they entered the season last year, number seven in the country. This year, they entered the season under the radar. So uh, I, I like Penn State over the only games. Uh, the only well, what was the number on Penn State? Eight, you said? Eight and a half. Oh, eight and a half. Yep. Well, uh, I have an underdog at Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Ohio State. Got them favored in all the rest of their games by a pretty good margin. So I would lean with the over on that one, but that does only allow you a one-game slip-up. Right. Helps if you steal either one of those those Wisconsin or Iowa games to, to right. get there, obviously. Right. Um, all right, last one here. We got to we got to talk on uh, talk about Michigan before we get out of here. Obviously, the win total set it at seven and a half. They've been a disappointment year after year. Um, this is a team. I, I don't. You tell me if something has changed with them because I'll look to fade them again. We got what is it? Western Michigan week one is the a seventeen and a half point dog. Um, I find that interesting. And then um, you know without giving away anything on Washington, because I know that Washington is a team that we're going to talk about uh, at the end of this podcast. Washington is even money in, in that matchup on the road in week two. Uh, what do you make of Michigan here? Are they going to turn it around or is it going to be another down year? Well, they've got 17 returning starters coming back. They did make my most improved list, which means I think they make it to a bowl game this year. And Michigan's one of these teams that, frankly, I have a tough time getting a gauge on them. I think that they're ceiling this year. Uh, would be nine and three. I think if everything goes perfect for Michigan, they could be a nine and three football team. However, their floor this year is probably five and seven. Wow. Uh, they could lose to Washington at home. They could be an underdog at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, at Penn State, home against Ohio State. Even the at Maryland game I've got as a toss up, home against Indiana. I've got as a toss up. So I have a lot of games in that three range, you know, favored by three or underdog by three. So I I think their records anywhere from five and seven to nine and three. If you're a Michigan fan, you want to play them. uh, I think seven and a half might be a little bit steep of a price. I think they get to a bowl game this year, but getting to eight might be pretty tough. Yeah. If you have that many games within three points, um, I would say as, as a, as a, a better, if you know, you're not a fan that, that needs to get involved there, that probably sounds like a stay away spot then with so many coin flip games. Um, yeah, absolutely. And once you feel like if they start winning those close games early on, they could go over the total, start losing right. those games early on, they're going to go under the table. It, it really depends how they do early. All right. Um, Big 12, Oklahoma. I believe this is your your national champion in in the magazine. Um, another team set not at 11 and a half, but 11 even on, on the win total. Um, a team that is set at, where is the price to win the conference? I believe they're in the uh, minus 180 range. Yeah, minus 180 to, to win the Big 12 title game. Um, what do they win? What do they win the overall title? And to win the national title on DraftKings Sportsbook, they are plus seven fifty, seven and a half to oh, one. Um, I'll take that. You'll take that. All right. So you will take the the plus seven fifty to win it all. Does that mean they go twelve and zero in the regular season? I assume that means they win the Big Twelve title game. Uh, what do What do you got here? Yeah, exactly. I think they go 12-0 and in the regular season. Here's the difference. Lincoln Riley in his first three years with an experienced quarterback had two Heisman Trophy winners and a Heisman finalist, and they average about 45 points per game. Even last year with the first-year starter, he had 43 points per game, but they did dip to 495 yards per game 
after averaging about 560 those first three years. Well, now he's got that experienced quarterback. And I thought Spencer Radler really rebounded well from his benching against Texas, played well down the stretch. They've got my number one rated offensive line, number two set of receivers, and number four running backs, and the best quarterback in the country is the best offense. Now, when they've reached the playoff each of those three years, they gave up 54, 45, and 63 points. Defense was average at best. Well, last year, they actually had a better defense in Alabama. And this year, they got nine, eight starters back on defense. They actually have my number five rated defense in the country, number three D-line, number nine set of linebackers, number three DBs. So they've got the offense, they've got the defense. And then you take a look at last year's, you know, Oklahoma's got 15 returning starters. Heck, I talked to 110 to 130 head coaches this year. Everybody's got 15, 16, 17 returning starters. Everybody's experienced. With the exception of the four teams that made the playoff last year, those teams all have 9, 10, 11 returning starters and all lose their starting quarterback. So you've got an Oklahoma team that didn't make the playoff last year that's very experienced with the defense and the best offense in the country. I like them to win the national title at 750, plus 750. That's a nice play, and I do like them over 11. Once again, it, you pick me the game that they're going to lose this year. Worst-case scenario, you get yourself a push, but most likely you'll be favored in every game by probably double digits. Yeah, it does feel safe for a winner a push. Like you, you got to lose two games to lose that win total. That is tough to imagine. Yeah, so it's uh, it, it's a nice nice little way. And like I said this is the best Oklahoma defense they've had. I, I think they win their first national title since two thousand. All right, there you go. Um, Iowa State on the other side. This is a team that uh, I've heard a lot of conflicted people. I've heard a lot of, you know, sharp betters going over and under on the nine and a half wins. Very improved last year. Great coaching. Um, is, is this the, is this the team on, on kind of the other side? Or there isn't, there aren't divisions, but is this the team that you think makes the big 12 title game? They're minus minus one forty to reach the big 12 title game to kind of almost certainly square off with Oklahoma in that game. Um, do you think they get there? Do you think they get to double digit wins or is there a little regression here? Yeah, I do think they get to the, the title game. And when you look at Iowa state last year, they had a young offensive line. I thought Matt Campbell did a tremendous job molding that offensive line. In fact, by the end of the year, they were Joe Moore award semifinalists. When I talked to coach Campbell this year, he said it's the deepest offensive line he's had there and has a chance to be special. So take that offensive line now, a merger with a veteran quarterback like Brock Purdy, one of the best running backs in the country like Brees Hall, the best tight end room in the country with Chase Allen and Charlie Kolar, and a dangerous receiver in Xavier Hutchinson. You've got a pretty good offense. Defensively, they're always great under Matt Campbell. They've got Mike Rose back at linebacker, Greg Eisworth back at safety, nine returning starters on D, and they only gave up 21 points per game last year. When I've looked at their schedule this year, I actually have them favored in 11 of their 12 games. Uh, the toss-up, the, the question mark game would be Iowa early, and I have them a three-point favorite. Do you have an early line on Iowa State, Iowa? Um, let me scroll through. You can keep going. Okay, and I'll, I'll talk a little what, here. What week, do you uh, know what date that is? Week two, September 11th, second okay, game perfect. of the season. All right. Let me uh, in that game, uh, Coach Ferentz is actually 4-0 and against Campbell. Iowa has not uh, lost to Iowa State, so that would be a game. So Iowa, so Iowa State is a five-point favorite in that game. Yeah, I would lean with Iowa plus the points. I like rivalry dogs. I like the fact that uh, Ferentz is 4-0 against Campbell. Uh, I do have – I had Iowa State a three-point favorite in the game, just giving them basically the home field edge. And the other right. game I have an underdog is at Oklahoma. Now, will they be able to handle this level of what they're coming into the season at? They're going to be a top-10 team 
probably for the first time ever. I can't imagine Iowa State was ever in the top 10 before in the preseason. That's a big question mark. I remember going back to 2019. Uh, they were ranked for the first time coming into the preseason, and they struggled with Northern Iowa and then lost Iowa in week uh, two uh, before they got it rolling and, and buried ULM. So how will they handle being in the top 10 for the first time would be my big question. But I do think they get to the Big Ten, Big 12 title game. Okay. Um, I, I, that's for the most part what I want to talk about in this conference. We'll just wrap up, I guess, with a couple of quick thoughts. Um, Texas is sitting there like they've been shifting around from a seven and a half to an eight win team. I'm staying away here, but do you have any, any feel on, on this, on this Texas team for, for this season in terms of what we should expect is eight win eight and four, right about where you have them. Yeah. Coach Sarkeesian was very happy with the talent he inherited. My biggest question mark would be replacing Sam Ellinger. How many times did Ellinger lead those late comebacks that guided Texas to a win? I have Texas a dog at TCU against Oklahoma at Iowa State, and I have the West Virginia game on the road uh, at Pickham. So if I was setting the number on them, I would have the number set at eight and a half. So uh, I don't see a lot of value there. They're a real wild card. I mean, they could be in the Big 12 title game if everything goes well. They buy into the new coach. Sarkeesian's offense works out great, and the new quarterback is fantastic. But I think you're taking a lot of chances at that number. All right, and an interesting one here uh, to close with in the Big 12 is, is Texas Tech. Um, I've seen them, they're on drafting sportsbook at five and a half wins, but I've drafting sportsbook is higher on them than most. I've seen some five, some four and a halfs. Um, if you kind of scan across everything, I, this feels like it should be a team that can get to 500. Um, do you want to try and talk me out of that, I guess? Or are you, I, I think you're kind of on, on the same page there. Yeah, Coach Wells very confident in his team, feels they're going to get to a bowl game this year. I think your key games, if you're, uh, I mean, they're definitely going to be favored over SF Austin, FIU, uh, at Kansas. Those are all slam dunks, and I think they'll be favored at home against Kansas State as well. The Oklahoma State game is going to be big at the end of the year. I think they do have a shot at beating Oklahoma State this year. Uh, last year was a, a real shootout, came down to the wire. This year they get them at home, and once again, home field edges will be heightened. And then a big game right off the bat is Houston. Houston's going to be dangerous. Dana Holgerson probably has his best team. I rate that one as a toss-up as well. So if you're finding a number of four, four and a half on Texas Tech, I'd like the over. I'm not so sure about over six or over five and a half because that would mean they have to get both Oklahoma State and Houston to get there. Okay. Um, on to the ACC where Clemson obviously is a massive favorite um, to just continue rolling through the conference. Uh, they're another team that is set at 11 and a half wins, which I find interesting because uh, if, and I'm not somebody that has, if you're somebody that plays the over, you could lose a win total in week one, First which game, I don't yeah. think, I don't think I've ever seen that done um, <laughs> in anything. So uh, there's just, and there's such massive favorites to win the conference, win the division. I, I just don't see anything that you can do with Clemson in the futures market, unless you like them to just win the title. Yeah, I, I might, if it's 11 and a half, I'd probably lean towards a small play on the under for the fact that I think Georgia can upset them in the opener. And like you said, you get your cash right away. Then the other game to look at would be at Pitt. Uh, keep in mind, Narduzzi yeah. can beat the, the big boys. He's knocked off quite a few top five teams in his time there, including Clemson and Pitt gets that one at home. It's late October. 
So we don't know what the weather is going to be like in Pittsburgh. And uh, Pitt's loaded this year. So I think those are two chances for Clemson to go down. And since you have to be perfect, you can't slip up once, uh, I would give it a small play on the under on Clemson. Okay, there you go. Um, all right, let's get to more interesting scenarios, I guess, in, in the ACC. We'll, we'll stick in the same division. This is actually so, and Phil doesn't even know this, for this actual podcast, DK Sportsbook is letting me open up some markets, um, which is, which is tremendous. So we're gonna, we're gonna have some kind of, uh, winner without division type of, of scenarios here. So we're going to open up division winners with Clemson kind of just out of the field. Um, NC state is a team that I, I like a lot. I know you, you, um, mentioned them in, in the magazine as, as, you know, being a team with some upside I think the plus money on over six and a half wins for NC state is very interesting. And I think taking them as the winner of that division with Clemson out of the field is, is extremely interesting and something that uh, eventually by the time, probably you're listening to this will be opened up on DraftKings Sportsbook as an unreasonable odds podcast uh, market that we're offering. So how do you feel Phil about uh, NC state kind of making some noise in the ACC this year? I feel talent-wise, clearly NC State's the second-best team in the uh, Atlantic Division. However, okay. of the three, I, I picked a three-way tie for second place in the Atlantic because yeah. NC State also plays the toughest schedule. They draw both Miami and North Carolina out of the uh, the Coastal Division, and they also host Clemson. Now, when you host Clemson, I mean, that could be great if you upset them. But if you don't upset them, that means one of your winnable games are on the road. And winnable games for them would be teams like Boston College uh, and Wake Forest. They're two division rivals. so And they could very well be underdogs in those games or pick them. So I, I think the fact that the schedule really waters down NC State. Now, of, of the three teams I picked in a two-way tie for second in the, the Atlantic division, I've got Wake Forest. Wake Forest may be third talent-wise of the three, but they also have the best schedule. While they play North Carolina on the road, that does not count as a conference game. So they really don't draw North Carolina uh, out of the Coastal Division. That's not one of their conference games. Uh, and they do get favorable home games. They get the NC State game at home, which is big. They get the Florida State game at home. And when I talked to Coach Clawson this year, going over the team with them, if you look on my magazine page, we list the last five years' results, you look at how they've done the last three, four games of the season over the last five years. They usually struggle down the stretch. And Coach Clawson told me that was because they're usually pretty thin. They don't have great depth. But this year, they went three deep in the spring. He feels they have the best depth he's had since they've been there, and they won't wear down at the end of the season, which would make them a threat. And then there's Boston College. They've got uh, a great quarterback in Phil Jerkovic. Uh, they've got, and they'll have an improved run game. I mean, you look at the pieces they have on the offensive line. They've got uh, five NFL-caliber guys. They just underperformed last year in the first year of the new offense. And anytime, any first-year head coach last year struggled without spring practice, much was the case with Jeff Halfley. They also have a much-improved defense this year. Keep an eye on Marquez Valdez at the defensive end spot. Now, when you look at their schedule, I've got a couple toss-up games at Georgia Tech, home against NC State. But uh, I think they have a chance of getting there. So I would, I'd rather have NC State over the 6.5 than I would uh, win in the Atlantic. Okay. That makes sense. It seems like there's, it seems like if you give them their three losses to the three big dogs in the conference and even have them losing those two coin flips, that puts you right at seven and five and still kind of cash it if they win the other five games or sorry, seven right. games, seven games. Yes. 
All right, there we go. Um, real quick before we go over to the other division, um, just thoughts on Boston College because I, I, it feels like this is better than a six and six team. Uh, they have great quarterback play uh, returning, and at a seven win total, I feel like this is one where you you push it at seven or you win it at eight. Six and six feels a little low to me to lose it. Um, how do you feel about the Eagles? Probably the best play in the division as far as overs go. I like BC. Really? I mean, okay. uh, they open up with Colgate at Massachusetts at Temple, home against Missouri. I believe they open up 4-0, playing with a lot of confidence. And they get NC State at home. Syracuse is one of the road games. They'll be favored in that. They get Virginia Tech at home. They'll be favored in that. The Georgia Tech game is a toss-up. The final two games of the season are Florida State, Wake Forest. They get both of them at home. Uh, I only have them a pure underdog in two games this year, at Clemson, at wow. Louisville. I do have a toss-up game against NC State and a toss-up game against Georgia Tech, but the worst-case scenario in my mind is eight wins. Yeah, it's worst-case scenario. Best-case scenario would be 10. Okay. We've talked about a lot here, and where um, I was thinking about cutting BC out to kind of save some time. I'm glad I brought them up. Um, I was kind of on the fence there and thinking about maybe passing on on seven with the seven and five push, but we're going to go over there and go for the eight and four year. Um as for the other side, we'll just keep it to the two to the two teams that that everyone's talking about there. Miami and UNC feels like a neck and neck competition for that division and who's going to play Clemson in the ACC title game. Obviously, they have a huge head to head matchup on the schedule. So, any strong take on either team taking that division, and does it simply come down to the head to head? And who do you like in the head to head? What's Pitt over under for that division? Or not over under, but uh, odds to win the division. Pitt's odds to win the division. Okay, um, give me one second there. I'll, I'll say this with North with North Carolina, they have Sam Howell. They have much improved defense. Biggest question mark to me is how do you replace Michael Carter and uh, Javante Williams at running back? Two guys that each had a thousand yards and average about seven and a half yards per carry. But uh, they'll be favored in that game at home against Miami. And I will say this: last year, North Carolina destroyed Miami, right? I mean, it was it wasn't even a game, sixty-two to twenty-eight. I asked both Coach Diaz and Coach Brown what the heck happened, and neither one could tell me what happened in that game. It was just one of those fluky games, or everything that could possibly go right for North Carolina went right. It'll be a much better game this year. Miami's got 19 returning starters coming back. So those two deserve to be the favorites for the conference. Uh, I do believe the conference comes down to October the 16th, but the tricky part about Pitt, and uh, did you find the odds on that yet? Yeah, so our our producer, Samir, who I've seen, who I've been watching on Zoom the entire time, just chatting away with everybody in the background in the studio, has now perked up and come over to the computer. He is a Pitt alum to, to listen to this. Um, Pitt is plus nine fifty to win the ACC oh, postal. I would take I would take a shot on that, no doubt about it, because you look at their schedule, and their schedule is tailor made for either greatness or failure. I mean, they get Clemson at home, they get Miami of Florida at home, they get North Carolina at home. So if they beat Miami and North Carolina at home, uh, what games are going to be an underdog in? They have Syracuse on the road; they'll be favored there. They have Duke on the road; they'll be favored there. They do have to go into Virginia Tech, Blacksburg, and play them, but they're off a bye. Uh, and they play Georgia Tech on the road. So I think Pitt, getting Miami and North Carolina at home, definitely a, a good play at nine and a half to one. Okay, now I'm now I'm trying to track down the Pitt win total, and it uh, seems, like, seems like they should have a pretty good year. A lot to scroll through here on DK Sportsbook. Um, Where's Pitt? And, right, and the I'll, thing with Pitt, while we're talking about him, they've got a yep, veteran go quarterback in Kenny Pickett, who's an NFL guy. 
Uh, Israel Abakanda is a guy that's really going to emerge this year, a running back. Nobody knows who he is. I think he's going to be a 1,000-yard rusher. They've got dangerous receiving core. And defensively, while they lose some key guys on defense, they do every year, and Arduzzi always replaces them. All right. Well, Pitt's a team that we're going to look at in the uh, in the futures market here. Then seven seven and a half is the win total, actually. Uh, I would go over seven and a half. Like I said, it could be uh, it could be a season of great success. But I mean, when you look at their schedule, they should be favored in potentially their first five games. All right. Fair enough. Um, all right. We're going to close out here with the Pac-12. Um, we're going to start with your number one uh, surprise team, I believe, the Washington Huskies. They are a team uh, that I've bet over eight and a half wins. Um, I think they have a good shot in the, you know, in the division. I think they're they're plus 140. I, I think they have a great shot in the uh, in the conference at plus 350. Um, and they're another team. DraftKings Sportsbook is going to be opening some special markets for the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Um, you can tell me what you think of these, Phil. Pitt to win 10 plus. Uh, I'm sorry. Now I'm stuck on Pitt. Washington to win 10 plus games. Washington to win 11 plus games. Washington to win a perfect 12 games in the regular season. These will all be markets that we're going to open up for this podcast on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, but I think just the safe number, the over eight and a half wins. Um, really jumped out to me. Tell me why Washington, I know schedule is going to be a big piece of it. Tell me why, uh, why you're so high on them this season. Yeah. And give you a a little history on the surprise teams in the magazine. If you uh, go back and take a look in 2016, now a surprise team is a non top 10 team that I think can make the playoffs. So that's a qualifier. And Washington in 2016 was not in the top 10. I believe they opened the season number 14, uh, and I had them my number one surprise team, and they did indeed make the playoff that year. So it was a really good. In 2018, we had Notre Dame, a non-top 10 team, as my number one surprise team. They made the playoff. And then, as you mentioned uh, earlier, last year I had a five-loss Texas A&M as my number one surprise team. And there was Selection Sunday, and they almost made the playoff last year. Yep. Washington is that number one surprise team, and it's a combination of talent and schedule. The talent's there. They've got a Massive offensive line that averages about 328 pounds per man. They've got a deep set of running backs. They've got two veteran quarterbacks now in Dylan Morris, and they bring in Patrick O'Brien from Colorado State. They've got good receivers, and Jimmy Lake's defense is always solid. They've only had two and six returning starters the last two years. This year, they have eight. But what I love about them is their schedule. Uh, They avoid USC, and they avoid Utah out of the South. And their two toughest games all year are Arizona State and Oregon. And they get both those teams at home. And as I've been harping this entire podcast, I think home field is really going to be intense this year. Washington's got one of the best home field edges out there in Husky Stadium. Now, they do have to play Michigan on the road early. Right now, you said it's picked. They were a slight dog. By game time, they're going to probably be a three-point favorite in that game because my magazine does carry a lot of weight. So I I think they'll be at least a three-point favorite at Michigan in the opening game. So play that pick them now. But I actually have them favored in all 12 games this year. So um, I expect them to potentially run the table. And, you know, when you look at Oregon, Oregon was picked to win the Pac-12 by the media and picked to win their division by the media. But they have to play Washington on the road. They have to play Utah on the road this year. Uh, They also have to play Ohio State on the road. Uh, What's the over-under win total on Oregon this year? So Oregon is nine flat, which I think is Okay, that makes sense. Right. It feels like they're going to be nine and three, right? Or, or, you know, you could win one of those games, maybe Washington or Utah, and and win it at, at ten and two. 
but you could also lose at Stanford and at UCLA. And Coach Shaw is very high on Stanford this year. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, – that one I'd stay away from. Nine is nine is accurately priced and sort of makes you think what the – make you wonder a little bit what, about the media's voting for the Pac-10 champion, Oregon, uh, if they even looked at the schedules. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Once you – once I – you know, you obviously, when I got your magazine, you turned me on to Washington. I flipped through that schedule um, and – said wow that is just it's so hard not to like the path um that washington is going to take I, I think they're a fantastic bet one of the the safest futures i guess the over eight and a half on washington um and we will obviously open up some some alternate win totals kind of to to shoot for the stars here and make some 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 plus money bets on on higher win totals for for washington um we pretty much touched on on Oregon there. Do you have anything to add to Oregon, I guess, before we, we close out with a couple teams? Oregon's a really good team, no doubt about yeah. that. It's just uh, the thing I don't like about Oregon this year is their schedule. Yeah, the I mean, the Ohio State game, too, really, uh, you know, makes things tougher there. Um, USC, a team whose win total is set at eight and a half. They have, you know, they have the quarterback in place, but they also have some flaws uh favored in their division what do you make of the trojans coming up this season uh, i like usc in that case uh they've they've added a couple of solid transfers they bring in uh ishmael Soffer from uh alabama on the defensive line they bring in uh, a couple of the defensive backs from texas and auburn offensively they had keontae ingram from texas they had a tcu rusher darwin baldwin uh texas receiver jake smith uh, Colorado receiver KD Nixon, and they already had a pretty talented team. You mentioned Keaton Slovis plays his best ball at the end of games. I mean, he led a lot of comebacks yeah, last year. We saw that and, last uh, year for sure. Yeah, and Coach Elton said, you know, well, when do you want the quarterback to play his best? When the knock on him was, well, he didn't play so great in the first half, and he's like, he's a guy that when the game's on the line, he plays well. Yep. Uh, when I look at their schedule this year, I have a slight underdog at Notre Dame, a four-point dog, and I have a slight underdog at Arizona State, a three-point dog. I haven't favored on all the other games. I like eight and a half. That's, uh, I mean, this is a team that, you know, went into the Pac-12 title game undefeated last year. Granted, they needed some comebacks to get there, but they're, they're just gaining in confidence. And unlike most folks around the country, I think Clay, Clay Helton's doing a good job building this team. All right. Um, one of the teams that you were very high on in 2019 was Utah, uh, a team that I played over eight and a half wins, and we, we easily got there on that. Number number one surprise team that year. They would exactly. they, they would they would have made the doggone playoff had they and I, I still won't let Coach Whittingham live that down. If they would have beaten Oregon in that Pac twelve title game, they would have been yet another number one surprise team that made the playoff for me. Yep, they did you they did you wrong there. I was on them against Oregon, um, because I was following them all season. I, I liked them a lot. I played them in that game and uh yeah, that was that was a letdown. They they almost got you there. Um Set at eight and a half this year again. Uh, it feels like you know a nine and three type of team. Do you think that uh, Utah's got an interim again, another big season? Well, they only have nineteen returning starters, <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> oh, and they add oh. in they yeah they add in Charlie Brewer from Baylor, who uh, Coach Whittingham is high on. And how about this? Talking to Coach Whittingham, he said it's the best offensive line he's had in his tenure. No. Wow. He's had some pretty doggone good offensive lines. So okay. look out there. Uh, they've got uh, uh, at running back, they had in an Oklahoma transfer in TJ Pledger. They had in an LSU transfer in Chris Curry. 
defensively, they're always at the top. Last year was sort of an uneven year for them, but I mean, it was COVID and there was all kinds of stuff. And I mean, there was a lot of things that happened last season. Uh, this year, when I went through the schedule, I have an underdog in one game at USC, a three-point dog. Other than that, I've got them favored in the other 11 games. So uh, I think you can tell which way I'm slanting on that one. <laughs> so let's say this. I, let's say Washington over eight and a half feels like maybe your favorite Pac-12 and Utah over eight and a half would be right behind it at number two, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. All right. Utah, I'm going to have to get on that one. Um, all right, two quick ones before we get you out of here. Phil Steele, um, I got to hold this up again because it is so fantastic on the Zoom for everybody to see. You know, while, while you're holding that up, while, while you're holding that up, open up the book so people can see the two full pages we oh. put on each team. Okay, it's like getting, it's like getting 130 different media guides rolled into one. And yeah. what I would like you to do is turn to the Akron page. Go to go to the back of the magazine, the Akron page. All the other magazines they give you, you know, maybe they they write a few paragraphs on the big teams and then they might give you one paragraph on the small teams. I give you two full pages on a team like Akron. Same amount of coverage that we give you on Oklahoma and Alabama and everything is in the same spot on every page. So if you close your eyes right now and I said, point to uh, the score from the Utah-Washington game from three years ago, you know exactly where to point. Point to who the top uh, rusher was last year for any team. You know exactly where to look. Uh, it, it's all laid out in the same spot. Who's the starting left tackle for any team? You know exactly where to look. I could ask you a 10-question quiz like that, and you could give me the answers in less than a minute, whereas if you went on the Internet and tried to find all that information, it would take you 10 to 12 minutes by the time you got to each school's website. That is, that's why this is the magazine. Here we go. I'm holding up the Akron page as we speak. It is all there, all the information. Um, I'm holding it this way. You see how many pages are in here. Everything that you need in this magazine. Um, and that's why you're on this podcast, Phil Steele. A couple quick ones, and we're going to get you out of here. Other I have listed here. That is where Notre Dame is always listed, the independent. Um, you know, eight and a half wins on them this season feels relatively obtainable. I think people are kind of down on them after the big year, and then they get smoked in the playoff again. Um, the quarterback changeover. But uh, tell me how you're feeling about the Irish here coming into 2021. Well, keep in mind, Jack Cohn, who's the new quarterback, uh, I, I mean, to me, that's pretty even with Ian Book. Uh, Ian Book had a lot of question marks. They had the Notre Dame faithful up in arms a couple of times last year over his play. And just two years ago, Jack Cohn was the, the quarterback of Wisconsin, a lightly regarded team, and they went 10-4. and four. So uh, I thought they did well. They've had one of the best defenses in the country. They got six starters back on D, so I have no question marks there. The big question marks, they only have three starters back on offense, but they do add in a Kane Madden on the offensive line from Marshall, which I think is a nice piece to add in there. They've got Kyron Williams back at running back. As mentioned, Cone's not a rookie. He's, he had a 10-win season with Wisconsin, and they've got some talent at receiver. When you look at their schedule, there are no easy games. There's no games on their schedule where they're going to be a 21-point favorite. None. Uh, but they also don't have any unwinnable games on the schedule. In fact, the toughest game, uh, I've got two toss-up games, Wisconsin at home and then Virginia Tech uh, on the road. And the tricky part there is Notre Dame is going to be off of playing Wisconsin and Cincinnati. They're playing their sixth straight week, and they're traveling to Blacksburg while Virginia Tech is off a of bye. So I think the current line on that right now has Notre Dame about a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That's one where I would slant with Virginia Tech, great situational play there. But overall for Notre Dame, my main set of power ratings calls for 12-0. and 0. All the other ones call for anywhere between 9 and 11, but I would lean with you over on that number. 
All right, there you go. Um, and we, I guess just quickly, I'll bring up the Heisman odds because you're very high on Oklahoma. We know how Oklahoma quarterbacks have fared in that market. Spencer Rattler, the favorite at plus 650. Is Ooh. that kind of, you know, if, if, if you like Oklahoma to kind of run the table at plus 750, you got to like that, right? Yeah, 650. I'm a little surprised at that. I thought it would be more like, um, yeah, something a lot lower. Now, granted, granted, the Heisman, yeah, the Heisman winners come out of the blue uh, numerous times. Like last year, Devontae Smith was probably 100 to 1, 1,000 to 1 at the start of the year. It wasn't even on the list probably at the exactly. start of the year. But uh, six and a half seems pretty pretty nice because, yeah, like, like uh, Lincoln Riley's had three veteran quarterbacks. Two of them won the Heisman. The other one was a finalist. Yep. All right. You got any, you got any long shots first year, I guess you got a guy like Matt, Matt Corral plus 3,500. He's deep down there. Uh, Just kind of scrolling through. I don't know. Yeah. Any, any long shots come to mind for you or you, you kind of CJ Stroud on there. CJ Stroud on there. CJ Stroud is plus 1400. So 14 to one. He is. Oh, okay. Six. And the guy hasn't even been announced as a starting quarterback, and yet <laughs> Rattler is six and a half. So yeah. makes you wonder a little bit about the odds. Uh, yeah, I would say you know you could look at the the three new quarterbacks: C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, Bryce Young of Alabama, or uh, D.J. Uyunglele of Clemson. But they probably are all priced down there already. It's not like you're getting a real long shot like they should be yeah. for someone that hasn't even been a starter yet. So not a lot of value in that respect. Right. Um, all right. Well, we just ran through a ton of information for the upcoming college football season with Phil Steele. Um, before we get you out of here, I guess the uh, the floor the floor is yours. We're going to promote the magazine, obviously. Plenty. It is if you like college football. I'm holding it up again. This is the magazine that you have to get, whether you're a casual fan, a sports better, whatever you are. Um, is there anything that you would tell a college football better that we missed on this podcast going into the 2021 season to kind of wrap us up? Yeah, like I said, the home field edge is one thing. And then look at the situational things. And and like I said, they're easy when you look down my schedules because we list who the teams are that are playing you that are off a of buy. So I think that's helpful. This, this magazine's got so much information. If you're not using this magazine and you're a gambler, you're already putting yourself in negative odds for the upcoming season. <laughs> You you're become an instant, you're yeah. You're becoming an instant expert on all 130 teams, and uh, you can only get the magazine this year at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. Those are the two places. If you're in Vegas, you can go to Gamblers Book Club, or you can go to PhilSteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. Uh, the magazine makes you an instant expert. You will use this magazine all the way through the bowl season. You'll definitely get your money's worth, and you will be amazed at the amount of information. And the one plus thing we've had is once somebody gets their hands on a copy, they have to have it every single year. So Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, PhilSteel.com. And if you like, follow me on Twitter. It's at PhilSteel042. That's at PhilSteel042. There you go. You, you took it before I could even get to it. I was going to plug your Twitter. We have plugged the magazine. Um, and thank you so much, Phil Steele, for joining the Unreasonable Odds podcast here at DraftKings. That was, uh, that was fantastic. I'm really looking forward to getting this out and uh, getting it into uh, the ears and eyes of college football betters this next uh, month coming into college football season. Sounds great. A lot of fun talking football with you today and a lot of fun talking about the odds. All right, I love it. Phil Steele, as I said, at PhilSteele042 on Twitter. 
uh, Phil Steele's college football preview. You got to have it. Um, that's a podcast. Enjoy getting your college football futures in. Uh, for the Unreasonable Odds podcast, for Phil Steele, I am Julian Edlow. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you.